Hi, I'm Mac. Hi, I'm Abigail. And this is Unsubs. This is the podcast where we recap, rate, and review all 324 episodes of Criminal Minds. And today, Season 3, Episode 5, 7 Seconds. I I guess we gotta come in hot with a serious trigger warning for sexual abuse and child sexual abuse. Pretty much throughout the entire episode. And, like, this episode, like, personally makes me super uncomfortable. So feel free to skip this episode if this is not your cup of tea. This is the fucking mall episode. Yeah. We should, um... We should do some some fun facts. Yeah. Like, really fun facts to kind of combat how upsetting this episode is. Well, I, I took a little trip to Chicago to see my friends, and I had a lot of fun, and it was awesome. I'm trying to think of a fun fact, and I can't think of any. Oh, you had your sister visiting you this week. My sister is still visiting me. Uh, my sister, um, she's performing at the Kennedy Center on this coming week. Oh my gosh. Yeah, so she's been in the area staying with us so that she can rehearse there. Um, so that's really exciting. And I get to dress up and go see her and I'll be wearing a suit and I'm so excited. Oh my gosh. We are in no way, shape, or form associated with the television show Criminal Minds, but one day we will be. That's a threat. Uh, Abby, do you want to tell us about the rating criteria? Yeah, so we rate each episode out of 100 points in total in five categories, and those categories are criminal slash serial killer, character development or character arcs, forensics and context, script writing, and background characters. Oof, guys, are you ready for this fucking episode? We open at a mall in Potomac Mills, Virginia. A blonde woman runs frantically around the mall as an announcement blares over the loudspeaker. Paging Katie Jacobs, please report to security immediately. We then hear a 911 call from a woman named Susan Jacobs. Quote, My niece, she's gone. She's, she's missing. Her mom and dad are still looking. Oh my God, she's only six. Her mom and dad can't find her. Hold on to your cabooses, y'all, because we're about to meet a whole lot of fucking Jacobses. Yeah, the, the Jacob Psy clan is uh, a lot. So there's Katie Jacobs, a six-year-old girl who is currently missing. Richard and Beth Jacobs, who are her parents. Beth was the blonde lady we saw frantically running around earlier. Susan Jacobs, who's Katie's aunt, the woman who made the 911 call, and Susan's husband, Paul Jacobs, who is Richard's brother in the show. And actually, the actors are brothers in real life, which is why they look so similar. Oh, that's so cool. So Susan and Paul also have a son, and his name is Jeremy Jacobs, and he's a little bit older than Katie. 
Yeah, he's like 13 and she's like a child. Yeah, she's six. All of the actors and actresses who played the Jacob I have been in so much shit, it's crazy. But I'm going to get through it really fast. Beth Jacobs is played by Paula Malcolmson from Deadwood, Sons of Anarchy, ER, and and unfortunately, most famously, Katniss Everdeen's mother in Hunger Games. That's why she was so familiar. Yes, she's such a good actress. Y'all watch Deadwood. She'll blow your fucking socks off. Uh, Susan Jacobs is played by is played by Suzanne Cryer from fucking Silicon Valley, among other things. But like mostly fucking Silicon Valley. For those of you that watch, she's incredible in it. Katie Jacobs, who's the little girl who's missing, is played by Ariel Winter from Modern Family. She's like one of the main characters. And fucking Jeremy is played by Alexander Gold, who is literally Nemo from Finding Nemo. Oh my god. Y'all. So to say this episode has star power is an understatement, but also why is it not that good? (laughs) In my personal opinion. All of this said, and all of the actors notwithstanding, who are all, like, amazing actors, this episode has a really confusing plot and so many characters, so I'm going to take some time to preface what happened before we actually get into the plot of the episode. Essentially, the extended Jacob's family was out for a day trip at the Potomac Mall. Richard and Beth Jacobs left their daughter Katie with her aunt and uncle, Susan and Paul Jacobs. Susan and Paul then left Katie with her cousin Jeremy at an arcade. Jeremy lost track of her and no one has seen her since. However, last week, another little girl named Jessica Davis was kidnapped from a mall, not this mall, but a mall close by, and she was later killed. So the cops and the FBI are, like, kicking it into high gear. The police arrive with their rapid deployment team shortly after the 911 call from Susan. um, And they're headed by Detective James Franklin, who was the lead investigator, or I should say is the lead investigator of the Jessica Davis case. Because that still has not been solved. They shut the mall down, so there's no way the unsub could have left the mall with Katie. The thought is that the unsub has Katie incapacitated somewhere and they hope they can get to her before she's killed. So the BAU have been called in to help Katie before it's too late. They show up 20 minutes after the mall goes into lockdown. Detective Franklin advises the BAU that they have security footage showing Katie Jacobs entering the mall with her family, but not leaving it. Reed and Morgan meet with the mall's head of security, Marie Samuels, who is very hot. Yeah. Yeah. They determine that it will take three full hours to search the entirety of the mall. And as we learned from previous episodes, Katie does not have that much time. The statistics on stranger child abductions are unsettling, to say the least. I pulled this from uh, season one, episode 12, which is a throwback. What fresh hell? Do you want to share this? So these abductions are usually fatal. Um, 40% of children that are abducted are murdered and die within the first hour. 75% die after three hours. 
and virtually all of them are dead after 24 hours. Reed specifically says 99% in this episode. Reed basically reiterates this statistic from season one and then adds that when Jessica Davis died, I think it was last week, she joined the 44% of children who are killed within the first hour of their abduction. So if it's the same abductor, Katie's chances are like really not good because at this point we're like 30 minutes into it. So as the SWAT team searches the mall, the BAU interviews Katie's family. We learn from Katie's parents that she has asthma, and uh, of course she doesn't have her fucking inhaler with her. She's six. And abducted. So that's, like, especially troubling, because if, like, uh, someone with asthma has, like, their, like, mouth taped and they can't breathe, like, they could die. JJ and Hotch interview Katie's parents separately. When a child goes missing, the first suspect is usually someone she knows, like a family member. Unfortunately, both of Katie's parents are, like, pretty antagonistic and abrasive to the BAU as they're being questioned. They don't understand why the BAU is taking time to question them instead of in the mall searching for the unsub. It takes them a while to cooperate which is understandable. They finally give JJ Katie's sweater so the search dogs can be brought in to look for her. Prentice speaks to Katie's extended family. Susan admits that she left Katie with Jeremy because she went shopping for her husband, Paul's birthday. I guess I, we don't know where Paul is at this point. Susan makes a joke about how she used to work in retail and should hate going to the mall, but now wishes that they had never gone to the mall today. She says she feels responsible for leaving Katie under the care of her son, Jeremy, who is also like, he's not like a young child, but he's a youth. Like he's not, his, his frontal cortex is not fully developed yet. Apparently Jeremy got so lost in the sauce of his game that he just didn't pay any attention to where Katie was. Paul, Katie's uncle, suggests that maybe Katie got lost reading books or playing dress-up, which is a weird statement. Yeah. Garcia gets to work examining all of the mall security footage. She finds Katie Jacobs on, sec- on the security footage, but can't make out who she's with because the footage is so grainy. What they can make out, it looks like she's going somewhere with someone willingly. Garcia is able to further clarify only seven seconds of footage. Oh, y'all, that's the name of the episode. Yeah. The footage shows Katie exiting the arcade and heading north through the crowd. Hotch says dramatically, seven seconds. That's all it takes for a child to disappear. And Garcia points out that if Katie was alone, the only stores north of the arcade are furniture, stationery, or bedding. Not kids' stores that would catch, like, a six-year-old's eyes. Unless it wasn't a store that caught her eye, but a person. Garcia says, and this is never followed up on, quote, I once followed Todd Cortell the entire length of Silver Beach because he had a kite. And I'm like, what the fuck did you just say, Garcia? 
I once followed Todd Cortell the entire length of Silver Beach because he had a kite. And Hotch just like fucking walks away. He's like, I, I don't have time to talk about this. We don't have time. There is a child missing. So enter the search doggos. But apparently the central air system in the mall filtered in the smell of food from the food court. So the doggos got a bit distracted. As one does. The BAU suspect that Katie's cousin Jeremy knows more than what he's sharing. Morgan and Reed question him um, separately and he has a panic attack. Morgan realizes that Jeremy is so consumed by guilt and stress that he must know something that could potentially help the case, even if he is not the one who hurt Katie. Hutch gives Morgan permission to do a cognitive interview with Jeremy. Susan Jacobs, Katie's aunt, uh, and Jeremy's mother is really upset that her son is being questioned without her being present. He is underage, and as we know from the whole Brendan Dassey debacle, youth being questioned without lawyers or their parents is almost always a disaster. Especially like a cognitive interview, like that's pretty serious shit, and they're denying her access to her son. Like that is some illegal shit right there. Uh, Prentice refuses to let Susan be with her son during the interview. And Susan is just really struggling with the whole situation and does not know her rights to be able to say, no, you cannot interview my son who's under the age of 18 without me or a lawyer. So she says to Prentice, quote, one minute you're having a lighter engraved for your husband. And then the next minute, Katie's name is being paged. I never thought something like this could happen to our family. Cut to the cognitive interview. This isn't our first time seeing Morgan doing a cognitive interview. We did see it in season one, episode four in plain, oh, just not in plain sight, just called plain sight. Um, but not to the extent that it's shown in this episode, which is pretty cool. Jeremy says his favorite game is DOA, dead or alive. He likes, because of course it is. He likes violent video games because of course he does. <laughs> Morgan asked Jeremy to close his eyes and goes through each of his senses. What did Jeremy smell? What did he hear? We see flashbacks of Jeremy in the arcade yelling, die, die, die. And then Katie starts crying and asking Jeremy to leave because she gets scared. And Jeremy, who again is a youth. He's 13. So he, he doesn't want to leave. And he just like lets, like he he's not paying attention to his cousin and there are apparently some girls watching jeremy um who are laughing at him because katie's causing a scene um and this is why this is part of why jeremy feels guilty because he was not watching katie meanwhile a search doggo finds a necklace of katie's in a trash can in the food court so the doggos were not distracted by the smell of food they were doing their doggo duty so fuck off. Hotch and JJ question Katie's parents further because the necklace they find is 24 karat gold. Apparently Katie told her parents that she found it in a schoolyard and the BAU is like, absolutely not. Six-year-olds don't have the money to buy 24 karat gold necklaces. She didn't find it in the schoolyard. Hotch also notices that the clasp of the necklace is damaged like someone ripped it off of Katie's neck. 
meaning that her kidnapping is likely motivated by anger or revenge and is likely and it likely has nothing to do with Jessica Davis's death. Reed and Morgan search Katie's house for clues. It looks like the Jacobi are a happy family that uh, eat meals together and watch movies together by a firelight. However, Katie has been wetting her bed and like destroying her dolls. Like, yeah, her Barbies are massacred. Terrifying. So first, when she's wetting their her bed, they're like, "She is six, you know, as one does wet their bed when they're six. We've all done it." There's nothing to be ashamed about. But then they see the dolls and they're like, oh shit, she's being abused. Morgan believes that she's being molested, possibly by her father. Um, They didn't really like mention it at all in this episode, but like we remember that Morgan was sexually abused. So like he, like he's really like zoned into this. He calls Hotch and tells him that, that Katie's being abused And Hotch says, it's not Katie's father abusing her. It's either her uncle, Paul, or her cousin, Jeremy. Something about the necklace? I I just, I I don't know. I I don't know how they're making this leap. Yeah, that was confusing. I mean, like, the only thing I can think is the fact that, like, her parents, like, didn't know that it was, like, a super fancy necklace. Or the fact that they are, like, eating meals together and watching television by firelight. I I don't know. But it, like, infuriates me that they're like, Jeremy's probably, Jeremy could be doing it. It's like he's he's 13. He's 13. How old is he, Abby? 13. Reed questions Jeremy and Prentice and Hotch question Uncle Paul. Reed tells Jeremy that he's noticed that Jeremy has a nervous tick of biting his inner cheek when he's nervous. Um, And Hotch and Prentice ask Uncle Paul questions about Jeremy. Like, okay, I should say that what they're doing is they're like, they tell Uncle Paul, we have to question Jeremy because Jeremy fucking knows something. So they're like, can you tell us more about your son? But really, like, they suspect Uncle Paul, too. So they're like, yo, Uncle Paul, who are Jeremy's friends? And Uncle Paul is like, I don't know, fam. And they're like, okay, well, like, what does Jeremy like to do? And he's like, I don't know. Like, I have no idea. And apparently Jeremy has a record for stealing jewelry for a girl he liked. And they're like, yo, Uncle Paul, what was the girl's name? Like, he's literally your son. Like, who was he stealing jewelry for? And Uncle Paul is like, I don't know. And Prentice is like, quote, how do you know that your niece Katie likes reading books and dress up, but you don't know anything about your son? So scumbag Uncle Paul has been molesting Katie. He bought her that 24 karat gold necklace, which is unbelievably terrifying. And Paul, trying to fucking justify this, says, quote, I may have done some things that you can't possibly understand, but I would never hurt Katie. And I I guess we just, like, believe him. Right. (laughs) Uh, We gotta get through it, guys. So not only has Katie been abused this whole time by her uncle, she was kidnapped and hurt by somebody else today. 
So Prentice then remembers how Katie's aunt Susan said the whole reason she left Katie with Jeremy is because she was buying her husband, Paul, an engraved, well, she was going to get his lighter engraved for his birthday. And we haven't seen Paul smoke at all during this episode. Not a single solitary cigarette. So Prentice says to Paul, for, for probably the most stressful day of your life, I haven't seen you light one cigarette. And Paul tells her that he quit a month ago. And then Prentice thinks about how Susan also said that she used to work in retail and the BAU realized that Susan previously worked in this fucking mall. This fucking mall. Susan! Susan's the fucking unsub. Honestly, as much as I like don't like this episode, the way that they sprinkled these clues in, so if we'd been like paying enough attention, you could have caught them, is like the anti-Sherlock in a way that is like good script writing. Like as much as I don't like this episode, like that's fucking like for her to sprinkle those little tidbits in where they just seem innocent. And like for Paul to make that comment about Katie. Who is it who talks about like her, their body language too? Oh, um, is it Hotch? It's either Hotch or Morgan. Who's like, why are they sitting down? They should be freaking out right now. Yeah, just like the little things about this episode, like we don't usually, we don't spend enough time with characters and know that one of them is guilty, where it is kind of like a murder mystery, where like when you're reading it or you're listening to it or you're watching, whatever, you know, like who it's like going to be one of these people that you meet. That's the, the unsub. And like, I just, I'm saying it in like skewered language, but it's, it is really good script writing in this episode. Especially the fucking thing about the lighter is like, oh my God. Suzanne Cryer from Silicon Valley kidnapped her own knees. And she did it because she knew that her husband, Paul, was abusing Katie. And she and Paul separated and she got jealous of Katie. So she kidnapped her niece thinking that this would fucking fix her marriage. We're going to do a little role play. It wouldn't be a Mac episode without a little dialogue. Do you want to be Prentice or do you want to be Susan? I think you want to be Prentice. Yeah, you're right. This was not supposed to happen to my family. It didn't just happen, Susan. You took her, a six-year-old vulnerable child who trusted you, who trusted your husband. You need to tell me where she is. I don't know what you're talking about. This is how Katie sees herself, self-loathing, dirty, disgusting. That is what your husband made her feel. Those nights when she would stay at your house and he would sneak into her room and tell her not to make a sound. No, please don't. Do you have any idea how terrified she must have been? How confused? While you lay awake protecting an animal who will always have those urges and always has. Don't. Please don't. There is nothing left for you to protect Susan. Instead of shielding her from more pain, you blamed her for your own. No, no, no. Yes, you did. You have robbed Katie of her childhood and you're going to steal the rest of her life from her as well? No! Enough! Where is she? So good, you guys. It's a little dramatic. 
This is the first time we see Prentice like really get to interrogate someone by herself, though. Like, it's a big moment for Prentice. Yeah. Susan tells the BAU where to find Katie, and they do find her just in time. Susan is arrested. Uncle Paul is arrested. Imogen Heap's song, The Moment I Said It, is playing. And it's way too dramatic for this. And the lyrics are, just put back the car keys or someone's gonna get hurt. And I'm, like, feeling so many feels right now. So, like, Jeremy watches his mother and father get arrested. And he's, like... He says to Reed and Morgan that he heard Katie call his mother's name as she left the arcade. And that's like why that's what he was hiding. And Morgan says, I get it, kid. It's your mom. Then Jeremy asks, what's going to happen to me? And Reed is like, I don't know, Jeremy, but uh, we're going to make sure you're all right, okay? <laughs> I wrote, that's comforting. This 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 episode, I, I a lot of the time I was like, wow, so Reed is really just trying to have a bedside manner. <laughs> Imogen Heap's lyrics are, you're scaring me, you're scaring me, you're scaring me to death. And I wrote, Okay, Dr. Stan Howard. Oh my god. And as we come up on the credits, the lyrics are like, don't, oh, smash. But the smash is a whisper. I'm going to edit it in. Don't sue us, Imogen. you and i love like your cover of holding out for a hero it's better than the original song but like the fucking smash (laughs) anyways uh the last scene is hotch visiting Haley at her sister's house and he asked to see jack and i thought that was really kind of sweet smash all right deep dive Oh, I'm excited. Um, so I like was like I'm not gonna talk about child assault. Like it's too depressing. And we've already kind of done it, you know. Yeah, and so Mac was like, look up crimes or like you know things that happened in retail, and I found a list of like horrifying things that have happened in retail and a lot of it happens uh to like fast food workers i've seen there's been a lot of um taco bell or especially mcdonald's workers who just get like freaking shot or murdered because someone's trying to rob them or an employee is trying to rob them and there is one that i wasn't initially going to talk about but i just if if i'm even mentioning this kind of thing happening. Uh, do you know about like the Lululemon murder? No. So in 2011 in uh, in Maryland, uh, this was actually very close to where I grew up. Um, 
A 29-year-old Lululemon employee said she was working a shift with her co-worker, Jaina Murray, when two masked men burst into the store and the robbers proceeded to brutalize them, murdering Murray and then leaving Norwood tied up in the bathroom. But that was a lie. It actually turned out that Norwood murdered her co-worker. Murray had realized that Norwood was shoplifting from the store. Not only did she murder her co-worker, there was a uh, restraining order against her from her ex-boyfriend because she was, like, threatening to, like, hurt his new girlfriend and stuff. It was insane. But that was a whole thing because she was murdered in the store. It's a, like, really popular, like, shopping area. Like, it's, like, a downtown kind of area. And uh, people, like, next door and stuff heard screaming, but, like, didn't come investigate. So here now is, from an article I found, some other mall-specific crimes. So this is also in Maryland, which was uh, in 1975, Catherine and Sheila Sheila Lyon who were 12 and 10 disappeared on a trip to a Maryland mall where they had gone to see the Easter exhibits. So the police began an investigation like the same night they disappeared, which is very uncommon because a lot of times they're like, they just ran away. So even though a huge search party was put together and there was like several leads, the bodies of these girls have never been found. Um, And it wasn't until 2013 that the investigators got a break in the case when they discovered that Lloyd Lee Welch, a man who is serving a prison sentence for child abuse, um, had probably committed the crime. And one of his relatives even told police that he had helped them bury two bloody duffel bags in Bedford County, Virginia. Yeah, there's been a lot of a lot of violence in retail. What do you think about the criminal slash serial killer? So I I mean there are multiple criminals in this fucking episode. I mean, I did like the twist. Twist. It wasn't really a twist, but I did like how we were kind of led to believe it wouldn't have been the family. I mean, like, I just personally don't like this episode because it's so emotionally distressing, but, like... Yeah, especially because when they find Katie, she's basically dead. Yeah, I mean, she's gagged and, like, locked in, like, a... Like, it looks like a locker or something. I mean, I just... I don't know. I guess I'm just burnt out from, like, child sexual abuse. Like, I, you know... I would say between a 10 and a 15. We could give it a 15 for them. Do you want to do 14? Would that make you feel better? I mean, I just think I have a personal bias, which, like, isn't accurate. Okay. Character development and arcs. We got to see Prentice, like, kind of take the lead, which was cool. Yeah. And Hotch, like, needing to see his son after everything. Like, that's the first time we've really seen him be like, "I, I need to be with my family. I am a father. Yeah. I am father. 15? Sure. Forensics in context. You might just have to rate this one on solo because I just feel like I'm too biased. I just don't like the episode. (laughs) I'm sorry. 
Yeah, I okay. The thing is, I didn't, I didn't hate the episode. I thought it they they, they did the suspense really well, and I felt like I was honestly just relieved that it wasn't a sex worker who's been murdered again, um, and that there wasn't actually any murder that happened in an episode for once. Not that murder and child abuse are like in any way, shape, or form equitable. <laughs> like there's. Like, it's not like there, you, you can't really compare those, but it was, I feel like there has been so many, like, she was found dead, like, recently. So it, it was, like, in a really sick way, a breath of fresh air to not have that. It is really, it is a really sad episode, and the whole time I just kept thinking about, like, oh my god, the amount of trauma this family now has. Yeah, fucking Jeremy. Like, Jeremy and, like, Katie, they're now wild so both so wildly traumatized forensics in context i don't even know how to rate that for this one i'm gonna say 10 sure i'm gonna give the script writing a higher score i agree that's the one place where like even in my dismay i'm like the script right like the things they did were very interesting and like i said before like the whole anti-sherlock thing where you could have like figured it out you know I'm going to give it an 18 because I feel like it was a little convoluted at times. Fair enough. Background characters. Jeremy. Love them. Yeah. I thought they were great. Oh, also like all of the actors in this like are all legitimately good actors, you know, like fucking Suzanne Cryer. 75. for listening and supporting us uh we love you guys buy our merch tell us that we're great follow us on social media at unsub podcast we're most active i would say probably on instagram um but we do have a twitter and a tumblr and other ways for you to connect with us links in the episode notes um and you can follow me yournewapartment.tumblr.com and you can follow me at between stage and screen. Oh, at between stage and screen Insta- uh, podcast on Instagram and on all of your podcast streaming services. Peace out, you guys. Bye. Bye.